When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brawl. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It is Monday, August 7th, 2023. Good morning. Welcome to Nothing Personal. We're live on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. And we're starting with the brawl. Baseball. Baseball brawls have always been an issue for me because fans like them. It's like hockey fights. It's like basketball fights. You spend time trying to make rules in order to stop it because owners do not want their players getting hurt. That is the sole reason. It used to be that you had the Nick Fatius of the world, the Ty Domies of the world, hockey fighting. People are, are there for it. The 80s and 90s in the NBA, there were punches being thrown. Larry Bird and Chuck Nevitt. Everybody, Ken Benson, everybody's getting into fights. And then they changed the rule. If you leave the bench, you're suspended. Yankees Heat Series back in the late 90s. Those rule changes work. Baseball, we are very hesitant to change the rules the way I would have liked. I have been very, very clear about bullpen involvement in brawls, people leaving the bench, I wanted the following rule changes and I couldn't get the votes, but here we go. I've already in my head worked through this. When there's a brawl on the field and the bench is clear, here come the bullpens. I can't stand the fact that they run in from the bullpens, which are in the outfield, to the infield where the brawl is happening or where the punches or shoves are happening. They run in side by side because they have to show their supportive teammates. I get that. If you make a very simple rule that you cannot leave the bullpen, then no one would leave the bullpen. Done. Couldn't get a pass by anybody. It's a very simple rule. That would be an edict, an executive order I would make. Two, you cannot leave the dugout. The reason why baseball has been reticent to change the rule that way is the union felt the players are there to protect their teammate. Well, why is the rule in hockey when two players are fighting? The rule is you can't be third man in. Let the two people fight. Once they're off their skates, then the umpires or the referees, the linesmen jump in, separate them, that's that. There's a choreography of the dance in hockey. This weekend, there was a game between the Cleveland Guardians and the Chicago White Sox, and there ended up being a fight between Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez hit a double, slid into second base, stood up, and all of a sudden they're starting to fight. But this was a little different in that they assumed the fighting position. You don't see that very often. If you haven't seen the video, look at Tim Anderson. We're showing it now. He's actually in the fighting position. Now, normally there's no time to get into that position. The fights just start. Ramirez then connects. There will be significant suspensions. But one of you 
asked a specific question about this brawl, and I wanted to answer it to lead off the show. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. An early So You Want to Talk to Samson from the movie Half-Baked. If you have a question, get to me. There are new ways to get to me. DavidSampsonPodcast.com. You can email, and Coke and I will see the emails. Not necessarily able to respond to all of them. Some will make it in the show. You can still find us on Twitter. I'm still looking at DMs at David P. Sampson. But the place for all things, nothing personal, including new merch. Check out the store today, this morning. There are new items. The logo without the nothing personal with David Sampson writing. Coca and a amazing designer we're working with have just come up with a new design that not for our logo, but a very funny shirt that we're going to be releasing as soon as we can. DavidSampsonPodcast.com. Here's the question. Hello, David. Hello. Love the show. Merci beaucoup. My question is in reference to Saturday's fight between the Guardians and the White Sox. As a team president, what is going through your mind during a bench clearing brawl? Thank you. I appreciate how much work and effort you and Coca put into what you do. It shows regards Mike Jewell. Mike, thank you for your question. When a brawl is happening, let's go one step back. When someone charges the mound, the first thing I do is leave the suite or leave my seat if I'm sitting in the stands and I go down to the clubhouse. I go right to the entrance to the dugout out of sight of the camera, but every clubhouse has a direct entrance to the dugout. Sometimes you have to walk a ways, but generally all the new ballparks for sure, you go from the visiting clubhouse or certainly your home clubhouse and it gets you into the dugout. So I position myself down there because I wanna make sure that none of the players are doing anything inside the clubhouse that is going to be a problem. I'm trying to get to the bottom of what happened and be there for any players who get ejected. The next thing I'm doing is I'm immediately calling my contact at the league office because I wanna make sure that they're watching and understand the story because when suspensions are handed out, I wanna make sure that I'm advocating for my players as quickly as possible because sometimes the league office, while they do review all the video, they do ask and wanna hear from team executives. Then I wanna be there to speak to the manager about what happened. If it's something that we planned, meaning we knew we were gonna throw at a player and we thought there was a chance that the player could charge the mound, we're gonna be ready for that. We know going into a game or a series, all of the beef that's going on between two teams. Do you know that there's a list? I'm a man of lists. When we go into a series, Umpires have it, which is why it always made me crazy when umpires would deny knowledge of any sort of problem going on between two teams. Umpires are told in advance when there is an issue. The league office talks to them about it. Team presidents talk to them about it. You go into the umpires room before the game, you talk to the umpires. This is all extremely commonplace. Whatever was going on between Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson, either the umpires knew about it or they didn't. But when players are squaring off like that, the umpires are told, do not put yourself in harm's way. It's not like they're hockey linesmen. 
you count on the other players, teammates, to separate fighting players. If punches are thrown, that's one level of suspension. If they're connected, that's another level. If it's just pushing and shoving, that's yet another level. And you take into account what the backstory is between either the teams or the players involved. So when you're asking me what's going through my mind, the first thing is, is this surprising? Did I think this was coming? And if I didn't, I need to figure out why this happened. There has to be a reason. Players do not, do not drop their bat and helmet and rush the mound without a backstory. Ramirez and Anderson do not go to blows without a backstory. And it's my job to know. So that's going through my mind. The other thing that's going through my mind is making sure the trainers are ready because injuries happen during, you saw Eloy Jimenez going out of the scrum limping in Saturday night's brawl. That is the number one nightmare. Any player getting hurt during a celebration or a fight or carrying luggage up the stairs or any of the crazy ways that players get injured other than throwing a baseball 98 miles an hour or straining a hamstring while you're running, all the things that can happen on the field, there's not much I can do about those. I do not get upset or crazy. I saw so many on-field injuries in my career and it is what it is. It's the price, the cost of doing business. The avoidable injuries are the ones that keep you up at night. And the avoidable injuries are those injuries that are taking place that absolutely should not. And an injury during a benches clearing brawl or doing a brouhaha, what's going through my mind is no injuries, please. What's going through the minds of the league office right now is they're deciding on the suspensions for Anderson and Ramirez and there will be suspensions. Wait to see is when we tell you something's gonna happen. If it does, we'll revisit it. If it doesn't, we will revisit it. So put this as an official wait to see on the document. Anderson and Ramirez will both get at least five games. Baseball is not happy with what took place Saturday night. And it's the second worst thing that happened to the White Sox this weekend. Brawl, not great. Tim Anderson's responding on Twitter. You can go look at his Twitter account. Very strange back and forth on Twitter, which just shows there's a background beef of some sort. Remember that big trade that the White Sox did with the New York Yankees? Very, very big trade. It was at the deadline, and it was the trade that would make the difference with the Yankees going forward. They got Kenyon Middleton. Well, Kenny Middleton is a middle reliever you may or may not have heard of, but now you're going to hear of it, hear of him. He opened his mouth to talk about his time with the White Sox, and it was not very pleasant. He said, we came in, it's Keenan Middleton, we came in with no rules. I don't know how you police the culture if there are no rules or guidelines to follow because everyone is doing their own thing. Rookies sleeping in the bullpen during games, guys missing meetings, guys missing pitcher fielding practice, no consequences for any of this stuff. This is the middle reliever telling stories about the clubhouse culture, not under Tony Larusa, but under their new manager, no less. Wondering if this is why the White Sox have been so bad for so long and squandered the talent they had. 
quick word of advice to a middle reliever, zip it. You are not doing yourself any favors by calling out your previous team. And I'm not the biggest fan of the White Sox. I've told you what's going to happen with Rick Conn and Kenny Williams. Something's got to give. They've got a problem there. Will they get rid of Pedro? Maybe. Will they get rid of Kenny? Unlikely. Will they get rid of Rick? Unlikely, but you never know. The only person they won't get rid of is Jerry. But the White Sox have a problem. But before you get too worked up about it, players sleep during games all the time. That is standard. We ask the players to sleep in the training room. If you want to sleep in the clubhouse, we close the clubhouse during the game. We ask you not to sleep on the dugout. I know that may be a big ask. We ask you not to sleep in the bullpen. Maybe that's a big ask. But relievers sleeping to start a game, Ugeth Urbina was famous for that. The guy would get a full night's sleep during the game. We, had, we set an alarm clock to wake him up in the sixth every game. Totally fine. Missing meetings, missing practice. If your manager is not willing to discipline the players, that means your manager does not have the support of your front office. Because if you are a good front office, you're around when you see what's going on with players. Because players missing meetings or missing practice, I don't need the manager to tell me that. Our GM and I would both know that. And if we are not supporting the manager and making an example of the players who are violating the rules, guess what? You're right. There are no rules. It's like giving kids no rules. Some kids are okay with it. Some kids will take advantage of it. There are some rules that we acknowledge when we have the players sign the team rules. If you acknowledge in advance the rules that you are not going to enforce and the rules you are going to enforce, you've got to be consistent and you've got to follow through. I would tell the players, we have a curfew in the rules when we're on the road. I'm not checking on you in your rooms. Don't miss stretch, which is the, when you have to report to a game is for stretch. You have to be in uniform on the field, ready to stretch. You miss the team bus, don't care, get yourself to the ballpark. You miss the team bus, don't care, get yourself back to the hotel. You miss the team plane, find yourself away. We're not going to pay. Get yourself on a commercial flight to get to where we're going to get to because we're not waiting. You know exactly what time the team plane is. Totally fine. But being late to a game, we made that not acceptable. If you have a facial hair policy that gets violated and you don't hold the players responsible, then you don't have a player's facial hair rule or policy. It's very simple. If the White Sox choose not to care if pitchers are doing their practice or if people are missing meetings, that's their decision. If it's working for them, great. Clearly it's not. But the middle reliever Middleton should not be talking about this. Why? because middle relievers don't have 10-year, $300 million contracts. When you are going team to team, contract to contract, hoping for arbitration, one of the things we look at and think about is, is this player a turd? We actually do use that word. And we'll do our due diligence because why add an ant to the picnic? Another expression we would use. Who would bring ants to the picnic? That's an expression for don't ruin your clubhouse over a player who's not Barry Bonds. 
you spend so much time thinking about the trade deadline, figuring out who you're gonna bring in. Are you buying, are you selling? We are now not quite a week past the trade deadline. Tomorrow it's been a week. Can you imagine being a buyer and not winning a game since the deadline? It's almost impossible to, leave, to believe. When you're a seller and you don't win a game, totally normal. The fact that the Mets have lost six in a row since the deadline, don't care. They traded five players, they can't win a game, they absolutely stink. They're trying to get one of the top six picks so they don't drop 10 slots in the draft. Will they lose 100 games? Is Steve Cohn even watching games anymore? Don't know, don't care. I just don't wanna hear Buck Showalter saying, hey, our guys, there's a lot of positives out there tonight. It's time just to go into blackout. That's what we would do when we had a sell and our team is gonna lose a ton of games. We're just shut down. We'll have some message points about our excitement for next year. We'll talk up some young players, but we're not gonna try to fool the fans into thinking that we have a competitive product. But what about the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles? All we heard, are they gonna trade Shohei? Are they not gonna trade Shohei? You didn't hear that from me. Uh, they, we knew they were not gonna trade him. Do you know the Angels have not won a game since the deadline? They are now below 500. They are 56 and 57. They are seven games out of the wild card. They're not even within five where you can send out playoff invoices and keep people's money. An abject disaster. Coca, during preparation for the show, said to me something that got me thinking. And I didn't know that I'd think about it during the show, but I can't stop thinking about it, Coca. It's so distracting. He said, David, I almost feel sorry for Artie Moreno. OMG, is that where we are? Do people actually have Rachmanis for Artie Moreno? And his Suris, there is an 80% chance for the 19.2% of you listening who know what Rachmanis is, that I just used that incorrectly. But I don't think I did. There's Nachis, that's a good thing. Rachmanis is like when bad things are happening, you feel for somebody. Coca's feeling for Artie Moreno who goes all in, which he didn't go all in, he just didn't trade Otani. Trading for Lucas Giolito and trading your prospects, that's not going all in. But he certainly has a team, though Trout was injured, is injured, that in theory was supposed to respond to the owner having a belief in the clubhouse. That's what you do at the deadline. You go to your clubhouse and you say, boys, we're on the outside looking in, but there's no way we're giving up on you or this season. Prove me wrong. Cut that, 4869. Boys, we are not giving up on this season. Prove me right for having the faith in you. Let's go out there and get into the playoffs and just see what happens. Now, Perry, do me a favor, GM of the Angels, please don't go saying, hey, we're rolling dice. What do we know? We're doing our best. That doesn't exhibit the type of knowledge, strength, and belief that we want. There was no way we were gonna sell. When you've got Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, and you've got an owner who wants to win as badly as Artie Moreno, of course we're not selling. Instead, Perry said, we're rolling the dice. Well, guess what? It's been snake eyes for a week. People in Miami and Cincy are just as unhappy, except everybody's losing. 
The Reds are 0-6 since the deadline. The Marlins, I think, have won a game or two. They've now lost four in a row. They've been swept by the Rangers. Here's the thing. It's August 7th. There are five teams, if you include the Cubs, you could include the Padres, who got beaten by the Dodgers last night. But you could say the Padres are in the hunt. So six teams for three spots in the National League. The American League, you can't even put the Angels on the leaderboard. Do you know that we would have discussions with the network? We would call up MLB Network. We would speak to people at ESPN. When they would give wild card standings, on our network, we were always in the standings. If we're within seven games, we're going to list our team and we're going to list a team below our team as well. So it doesn't look like we're like last on the board. But when Sports Center is an example or MLB Network during their MLB Tonight, when they would do wild card picture and our name, if we were five games out and they would only show the four teams within two games, we'd call and say, hey, you've got to put the Marlins on the board. We deserve to be on the board. We want the attention. We want the positive vibes. I wonder whether Artie does the opposite. Take our name off. I think we were always told that if you're below 500, you're not going to be on the board no matter what, unless it's like second place in the AL Central. There's so much that goes on. I was just thinking about uh, totally off the subject, Matt. Do you remember I read? Why would you even remember it? This weekend I read that there is a pitcher. It would be so good if I had the name, but it tracks perfectly that I don't. A major league pitcher was charged with a bunch of runs as earned runs. Like two weeks later, MLB changed a hit to an error, which made all sorts of runs not earned. And his ERA went down significantly. You'll never find a Coca, don't even spend the time looking. But the point is, the number of times that your infield coach calls the main calls the scorer or people call the league office about the way a play was scored, agents get involved, players get involved, coaches get involved. These things matter. A defensive player getting an error is far less penalized than a pitcher whose earned run average goes up by 0.6 runs. When you're in the arbitration room or when you're looking at your career and you're a free agent, a position player is not paid less money because they had an extra error or an outfielder. But a pitcher whose earned run average is high and then becomes low because an error is given to a fielder. Except if you're a fielding coach and you want to never have your fielders get errors and you don't care if the pitchers have a high ERA. It's fascinating that there can even be arguments within a club about was that an error or not? Yes, I've seen it. Self-preservation. God, is that a strong, strong driver of action. Okay. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that I watched during the break, and then we're going to talk about the U.S. women's national team. Yes, I was up watching the game at 5 a.m. on Sunday. That was yesterday. We lost one of our picks of the day on that because we had the women winning in regular time, which they clearly did not. And I have some thoughts about all the attention and certain things that are going on after this loss. But first, 
let's take a highly monetized break that Metalark needs you to have. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. <laughs> Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matthew Coca. Thank you for downloading and listening, being with us live on our YouTube channel, going to our website, buying merchandise. I want you to wear nothing personal stuff proudly. Trust me, it's not a high margin issue. It's a total ego-driven thing and numbers. We're looking for downloads. We want people to engage with our show. We love doing this. DavidSampsonPodcast.com. I watched on one of the plane rides a movie called 65. I had known that I could watch it because it came streaming before I left. But it was a good plane movie to watch, I figured. Adam Driver, I don't want to miss any movies that he does. I happen to love Adam Driver. 65 references something that happened 65 million years ago on Earth when people from a different galaxy, Adam Driver, is on a shuttle like Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt in Passengers, and they're going to an, an, uh, on a mission, and the mission fails, and this ship crashes on Earth from 65 million years ago. And first they discover that they speak the same language, although there were no people on Earth. Then they discover that they can breathe the air. Thank God for that. And then they discover there's some freaking dinosaurs. It's a poor man's Jurassic Park, and it's so poor that they can't afford a whopper. And I'm not making, I am not making fun of people who eat Burger King. I'm telling you that when this movie was paid for and when Adam Driver agreed to do it, I need to understand whether he understood that the special effects that were gonna be used, that the electronic, animatronic animals, that everyone was gonna say, ooh, the shaking footprint, the shaking water in the footprint, the Velociraptor and the big Tyrannosaurus Rex that responds to light. Is that not a callback to Jurassic Park? If you are going to try to be what you're not, and this doesn't just go for movies. This is you and your life. This is me and my life. They call it the imposter syndrome. But if you are gonna try to be what you're not, you better know that you're doing that because otherwise you're just in a state of denial. The movie 65 is a movie that I would not suggest you spend your time, which is more valuable than your money, 
but don't spend either. Adam apologizes. I apologize on his behalf. And I assure you for his next movie, I'll still watch it. You have so much latitude here, Adam. You use definitely some of your capital on this movie though. So at 5 a.m. I'm watching the women's soccer team and I'm looking at Twitter. I don't even look much at threads anymore. Is anyone using threads out there? Get to me on Twitter at David P. Sampson, let you know if you're using threads or just get to me on the website. Just curious. Once in a while I'll go on and I don't even post on there much anymore. That came out of the gate strong, didn't it? So I'm watching uh, Twitter and as I do, and it's early in the morning and I'm thinking about what I'm doing the rest of the day and all the hours I have, whether I'm gonna run or not. As a matter of fact, today I'm in the middle and I am in the middle, although I'm not right now, I'm doing the show, but I'm gonna do four miles every four hours for 16 hours today. I did my first one at 5 a.m. this morning and I will do my second four mile run right after we tape the show at 9 a.m., four more at 1 p.m. and four more at 5 p.m. All of this is training for the challenge that we're doing September 22nd to 24th. You're gonna hear more about that, doing four miles every four hours for 48 hours, raising money to cure Parkinson's. We'll be promoting that, giving you links and having a whole social media thing. It's gonna be quite something. I'm not at all sure given how much my back hurts just from one 5 a.m. run this morning, knowing I have three more to do. I did stop sweating with like 10 seconds to go before the red light came on this morning. So I'm sitting there watching the soccer game in disbelief that they can't score. Regular time finishes, extra time finishes, they go to PKs. America loses. Let's cut right to it. Let's cut to what happened after the US women's team lost. I'm trying to understand why any side of any argument uses a result on the field as an example of you had it coming because you are blank. Megan Rapinoe is outspoken. She's popular, she's unpopular. Whatever your view of Megan Rapinoe is, whether she laughed or cried after missing a PK, whether she said after it's like a sick joke, how do you do anything but laugh? Doesn't miss PKs, miss badly her last kick ever, her last touch would have been a goal from 30 yards. Why is it that we take this opportunity to go after Megan Rapino? I understand when players fail. I come from a sport where failure is the business of baseball. It's what people do. 70% failure rate gets you to the Hall of Fame, that expression. We can comment on a player not being clutch. We can comment on a player not being successful. We can comment on a player not performing up to his, her, their ability. That is fair game. You can tell me, hey, that show sucked today. Be better. But why are we tying in what her political views are and her views of and her participation and being a member of LGBTQ, whether she loves America, hates America, do we root for people to fail whose beliefs are different than ours as a way to make us feel better about what we believe? 
or do we root for people to fail so we can feel better about ourselves for not even trying? Or do we root for people to fail who are doing things that we could not succeed in so misery loves company? Have you ever thought back to why you root against a player or a team? Out of love for the other team, out of love for another player, out of a rivalry, out of the emotional connection you get to your team or your player. All of the teams and players you root for, if you met them in person, 80% of the time, you'd be disappointed, which doesn't make them different than everybody else you meet in life. You're not friends with everyone you meet in life. You don't agree with everyone you meet in life. You don't like everyone you meet in life, do you? I don't. I'm tolerant of all of them though. Live and let live, do what you wanna do. What I'm not happy about is that we're in a country where we have a former president who actually put a message out there. No joke, this is a quote. The shocking and totally unexpected loss, in quotes, by the US women's soccer team to Sweden is fully emblematic of what is happening to our once great nation under crooked Joe Biden. Let me just stop you and tell you that results on the field versus what's going on in the country haven't quite seen the correlation. Did I think it was cool when Mike Piazza hit a home run in the game, first game back from 9-11? Yes. Did I think it was unreal when D. Gordon hit a home run the day after Jose died? Yes. Do you feel patriotic when there's flags and flyovers? Do you love supporting troops? Yes. But a result on the field being emblematic, man, our country's in the crapper because the women's soccer team lost. Many of our players were openly hostile to America. We're back to the anthem because that, you might as well play the hits. And the hits are, you appeal to your base by talking about singing the anthem, putting your hand over your heart, not kneeling, standing, singing, whatever it is you do, because if you don't do it, you're anti-American. I don't know where that correlation comes from. No other country, Trump continued, behaved in such a manner or even close. Woke equals failure. Nice shot, Megan. The USA is going to hell. Politics or not, I actually don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care if you're a fiscal conservative and a social liberal or the other way around. Isn't there a certain level of grown-upness that you want in your country? If you travel out of the country and talk to people who don't live in America, they don't look at us the way they used to. They don't revere us the way they used to. They're embarrassed by us in a way that they never were used to. They don't view us as anything out of the ordinary. Totally ordinary, actually. And you wonder when tweets like this, you wonder when people are talking about Megan Rapino and the US Women's National Team, thank God they lost. Screw them, bad people, bad. My views on gender equality have been made clear to you. My views on equal pay have also been made clear to you. If you generate money, you get money. You don't generate money, you don't get money. There is no way that WNBA players will ever get paid what NBA players get, period.
It's very simple. It has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with audience. Believe me. If enough people would engage or watch or buy jerseys, or they'd have the rights fee deal or the streaming deal that men had in basketball, then they get paid the way men get paid. That's like wondering why men who are in the in single A baseball, why aren't they getting paid what major league players get paid? Why? Because they're playing in a stadium that may have 5,000, 10,000, 20,000. They're minor league stadiums that are drawing more than the Oakland A's. Fine. Guess what? Not the same ticket prices, not the same broadcast revenue, not the same industry revenue. I have no idea where people come up with their arguments. We can be better. I had a good weekend. I was two and one. We had the Astros over the Yankees in Severino. Remember I told you Severino gave up 900 runs in his past two starts? Well, he kept that up. He's now given up. This is a record. I don't know how you're going to break this. This is like Cal Ripken's Ironman streak. Luis Severino, according to our researcher at Nothing Personal, has now given up 1,420 runs in his last four starts. That is a very bad run. So the Astros won on Friday. That's a win. Did you see what's going on with the Yankees? I could do a whole separate topic, Coke, on the Yankees. I have been on Carlos Rodon, not for signing a $162 million deal. Damn smart of him. No one else was going to offer him that. I've been on Cashman and Steinbrenner for offering Rodon 162. He has been absolutely terrible. He's I got taken out of the game, some hamstring tightness. He's going to end up going back on the injured list, I'm sure. It's only year one of six. It ain't going to get better. Poor, poor Yankee fans. You got to feel worse about yourself than Mets fans right now because the Mets, they sold at the deadline. They can't win a game. What do you care? You've already moved on. Are Yankee fans already moving on to 2024? You're writing it off even though you're within a couple games of the wild card? Everyone making fun of Stanton and how he runs? Stop it. Everyone thinking that Aaron Boone is grumpy and angry? Stop it. Everyone thinking that Hal Steinbrenner is losing his patience? Stop it. None of it is true. Things are going swimmingly in the Bronx. Saturday, we told you Blake Snell would beat the Dodgers, and the Padres did beat the Dodgers. The Padres then lost Sunday, but they won when we needed them to. And then we lost the women's game. So we are 107 and 108, and here's what's going on tonight. We have spoken about the White Sox. We've spoken about the Yankees today. So, of course, they're playing each other. The player pitching for the Yankees, Garrett Cole. He's when you win. When Cole pitches, you got to win. Pitching for the White Sox, Dylan Cease. Big, big name at the trade deadline. Why wasn't he traded? What are the White Sox doing? Very good young pitcher. Go with Cole. The White Sox have some major problems going on internally right now. And while I could say the Yankees do too, do you know what cures major internal problems? Cy Young-like pitching. Yankees over the White Sox. All right, next topic. This weekend, 
I put it down in the show because I want you to keep listening. But this is maybe the biggest story of the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to the PAC-4. The PAC-4 is a special conference with four teams, Oregon State, Stanford, Cal, and Washington State. They will spend next year playing each other in round-robin tournaments for 12 weeks in a row. If you like the Stanford-Cal rivalry, you're going to get it and a lot of it. They will be renaming their conference the Pac-4 because they can't call themselves the Pac-12. They're not even the Pac-9. Pac-8. Over the weekend, they went to Pac-7, Pac-6, Pac-5. See you later, Pac-4. The Big Ten, as you listened to Friday's show that we did with John Skipper on the Lebitard Network, where we talked about college football, what people are calling realignment. I do not call this realignment. This ain't realignment, folks. This is a brand new day in college sports. And it's a day that programs, not football and basketball, are going to rue. Money is going to the top and you are gonna lose the middle class. It is going to reflect exact society and it will have a deleterious impact on other sports at these universities. I promise you. So we heard a lot of rumors over the weekend. The Pac-12 is gonna be fine. The TV deal with Apple is amazing. It's streaming. They're gonna get like $23 million a year, everyone in the Pac-12, it's gonna be great. Well, they met. Rumors are everywhere. Pac-12 saved. Then two hours later, the Big 16 has arrived. All of the due diligence that we talked about by Tony Petiti last week, the commissioner of the Big 10, and we laughed with you. And I explained this isn't exactly a three-month process of diligence. There's not a room or a, a virtual room or an actual room of documents. The Big Ten has started its diligence. They're not far along, but they started it. Wouldn't you know it? Didn't take too long. Washington and Oregon are now in the Big Ten. Arizona State knocked on Arizona's door and said, hey, what are we doing? Whatever we're doing, help me, please. Arizona said, I think we're going to go to the Big 12. Arizona State said, please, Arizona, get me there, please. Big 12 said, fine. The Big 12 now has 16 teams. The Big 10 has 18 teams. The Pac-12 has four teams. Guess what? If you're those four teams, what do you think they're doing today? Any ideas? I'll tell you. They're waking up this morning and they're continuing conversations that started yesterday. They're all three hours behind. So right now it's 5.41 a.m. in California and in Washington State and in Oregon. The athletic directors and the presidents are up at 6 a.m. local time, which is 9 a.m. on the east. And they are starting to finalize deals to leave the pack for. The conference 
has fallen apart. And it's not going to stop with four teams. And it's not as though the Pac-4 can go out and poach from other conferences. They cannot sell themselves to non-Power 5 teams, conferences, and say, hey, come to us. You're going to be rolling in dough. It's a do not touch sign on that conference right now. And those organizations, meaning Washington State, Stanford, Cal, and Oregon State, are panicked. And the reason they're panicked is they're concerned that the game has passed them by. That the musical chairs game that Pablo so eloquently described during the show with me and Skipper and Pablo as the moderator, talking about what it's like to be at a school dance, the lights go on, you look around and you've got to dance with the one person left. Or a musical chairs, the music stops, you look around and you're out. You never think it's going to be you. Whatever you do, you always view yourself as the best, the most positive. It'll never be me. I'll never get sick. I'll never get into a car accident. I'll never suffer. There won't be consequences to what I do. I don't need to put on a seatbelt for this short ride. There's no way that Stanford ever said to themselves, I will never be left holding the bag in the pack four. It wouldn't even have occurred to them. Famous last words, because you turn around and you realize that everybody acted in their own self-interest, shocking. Everybody's level of loyalty is de minimis, shocking. Jimbo Fisher with a quote this weekend. It seems to me that teams are going after the dollar. NSS, baby. Of course, that's what teams are doing. It's your job. Why would networks have wanted Pac-12 to implode? Hmm. Why do competitors ever want the competition to go away. Why do mergers and acquisitions happen? Why does poaching happen in the real world outside of sports? Hmm. It's just business. We'll be back tomorrow. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.